goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is your Wednesday Rush Hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. And we have plenty to discuss this afternoon with you. Also joining us from Israel will be my friend and great author, and former uh, Rush colleague, Joel Rosenberg, who lives in Israel these days, got a new book out. Um, so we'll spend a few minutes with him. First, let's begin with what is happening with the number of illegal immigrants continuing to overwhelm New York. Why aren't you going to start with the Durham stuff, James? Why aren't you starting with that? That's the national story, James. Why are you ignoring the Durham report? Because it's meaningless. That's why. Nothing is going to happen. All right. Okay. Okay. Ask yourselves. What has happened? We have reports today. 60 some odd. I think the Federalists did a list of 60 some odd political hacks that were responsible for spreading the misinformation and continuing the drumbeat that uh, Donald Trump was guilty of uh, Russian collusion. You know where those 61 people are? They're still doing whatever they were doing before. The ones that were in the media, they're still in the media. The ones that were in politics, they're still in politics. No one's lost their job. How about the people that were engaged in the misbehavior all the way from the FBI to the CIA to the, where are they? Okay. Peter stroke struck and, 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 and the woman he was boinking at the FBI, uh, Lisa page, the, the, the boinky and the boinkette. All right. They kind of were out of a jobs, but you know, so what they were boinking each other, that got more attention than what they did with Trump. And he's still out there running his mouth, never served a day in jail. Andrew McCabe, who was also up to his neck in this stuff, got a job at CNN. Where is he? Last I heard, he's still at CNN. I mean, what gives? Nobody has, it it might as well not have mattered. Everybody's still doing what they were doing. Life goes on. Okay, that's why I don't. Well, I guess I did lead with it. But nothing has happened. Now, let's get back to real-life stuff where stuff is happening in New York. Guess where? 
Guess where the mayor wants to house illegal immigrant people now? If you could just take one guess, this is going to be a staff quiz. So yes, even though I can't, Scott, be prepared to answer. Diego, be prepared to answer. I'm here. Okay, Matt, be prepared to answer. I'm asking for guesses. All right. Just give me a guess. Now, where do you think that our illustrious mayor wants to house the overflowing number of illegal immigrants coming into the city? Matt, you're up first. Uh, I'm going to say in, uh, let's see, I don't know, the caves of the Adirondack Mountains. Okay, we'll hold that answer in advance till we get through. Thank you. So, so far we have the caves of the Adirondack Mountains. Diego, you are up next. Guess where our illustrious mayor wants to now house the influx of illegal immigrants pouring into New York City? Uh, The uh, Barclays Center. Well, that's a good one. I mean, it's not being used right now, right? Isn't Isn't that Mr. Z's place? Didn't Mr. Z put money in that place? Did Mr. and Mrs. Did Mr. Z put money in there, or did he just buy part of the team? Uh, okay, Scott, where do you think that the illustrious mayor of New York City is? It can I ask for one hint? Is it inside the city limits? It is in the city limits. Okay, I'm going to go down the Diego Road and say Madison Square Garden. Okay, these were all wonderful guesses. But I hate to disappoint you. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. The mayor of New York City is now saying that they are considering housing the overflowing number of illegal immigrants coming into New York City's in Rikers Island Jail. Oh, that's a novel idea. They want to send the illegals to Rikers. What? So they get rid of the inmates. They get rid of the inmates, and they're putting. This is insane. This is insane. Wait, are they getting rid of the inmates? Is that a thing? They've well, you know, the inmates. They, they've been trying to clear the inmates out of there forever oh. because it's so. It's it sounded so, like such a good idea for the first five seconds. It's it's so unsafe. The conditions are so horrible that they're not fit for human beings to live. So there's been a move on for years in the courts and with these. Things. Let's close down Rikers. It is a terrible place. Rikers is the equivalent of today's Alcatraz. So let's close down Rikers. And now, all of a sudden, let's send the overflowing number of illegal immigrants to Rikers. By the way, do you realize that almost 50% Almost 50% of the hotel space in New York right now, one half of the hotels are booked up with illegal immigrants. This is, to me, (sighs) the city has opened 150 sites. They've launched eight large-scale humanitarian relief centers. 
over 65,000 illegal immigrants have come to New York so far. Busloads more expected. The mayor says over 4,200 asylum seekers. Asylum, my. Okay, let's play along with it. Asylum. Over 4,200 came last week. More ahead of this week. Meanwhile, a court, Rockland County, has successfully acquired and restraining order against New York and Adams from shipping any more of the illegals that come here up there. So it's all playing footsie. And the mayor, by the way, has suspended the rule that govern land use, the review process. He just said, nope, nope, forget the rules. We're going to stop the rules in progress so that he can move illegal immigrants into as many, many neighborhoods in the New York area as he chooses. Some of you may remember back in 2017. Sefulo Saipov. Sefulo Saipov. Drove a rented truck into a New York City bike path. He killed eight people. It turns out that Sefulo Saipov was a member of or was doing this on behalf of ISIS, the terrorist group. Well, Mr. Saipov went to trial in New York where he killed eight people, eight people in a terrorist attack in New York City. The jury refused to return the death sentence. They couldn't even get a death. This is New York for you. You wonder what's going on. You can't even. A terrorist mows down eight people in 2017 in New York, the city that suffered the World Trade Center being attacked and fallen both towers and more, 3,000 deaths in 2001. And 16 years later, a terrorist strikes again, drives a rented truck, horrendously kills eight people, leaves others seriously wounded, including a double amputee. He goes on trail, a New York jury refuses to hand the guy the death penalty. He's going to end up happily spending his life in jail. Who knows? Maybe they'll send him to Rikers so he can hang out with the illegal immigrants. And you wonder, and all of us wonder, why are things permitted to go the way that they are in this city? Well, look at who's on the jury pool. Look at who's voting. For the mayors, look at these liberals, how they've taken over New York, and look who they are. They won't even convict an ISIS terrorist of a capital crime. Their little poor little hearts can't stand the idea that one day a pesky little needle would be put in a terrorist arm. That's too much for their consciousness. So even though he killed eight people, eight people,
people in a blanket terrorist attack, a New York jury refuses refuses to give him the death penalty. Scott, you used to live in California. That's correct. I invite you. Here's another guess. Guess what the latest proposal is in California to deal with illegal immigrants, your oh, well, former state. I, I know they've, they've given them welfare and Medicare, and there's more. There's more. Well, it probably involves a check. I'm going to say they're giving them. Now, see, you have really known how you really know how to end. It involves a check. They're going to give them X amount of money to settle in California. How's that? Okay. Is it close? Am I close? When you said the check, you said the magic words. In California, the latest proposal, ladies and gentlemen of America. Ladies and gentlemen, America. Here's what they want to, here's what the liberals have come up with in California. I want you to listen close, America. I want all of you American citizens, America, those of you that have to work, people like you, Matt, people like you, Diego, people like you, Scott, people like you, Aunt Jenny, people like you, Mary, all of y'all, America, listen up. This is what they want to do in California. A new state proposal will give illegal immigrants weekly checks as unemployment benefits. No, they haven't worked in America, some of them. No, they are not legal to work in America. But California wants to give them illegal immigrants up to $300 in cash a week unemployment benefits. That is what the state, so when you set a check, Scott, by all means, you are right. I know my California. It's called the Safety Net for All Workers Act, even though these are not citizens and people should not be working. $300 $300 per illegal illegal immigrant. That's per week or what? Per week. Okay. Or is it a month? Let me just double check uh, that. I, bet I don't want to be wrong. A month doesn't sound like enough. That's what I'm saying. Got to be a week. Yes, it's $300 a week. Yeah, okay. Speaking of California, since we're staying there, Major League Baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers, you know what they want to do? Aha, they've got a brand new promotion. They want to have... This is really rough to me. Let me just read this story. I, I won't, I won't, I'll try not to. One of Major League Baseball's most storied franchises is getting blasted over its plan to honor a controversial LGBTQ activist group of queer and trans nuns at an upcoming game. 
Catholics are say this is blasphemous. The Los Angeles Dodgers are being accused of anti-Catholic bigotry. They're going to host a gay and transgender group that uses that uses religious imagery to promote sexually well, a sexual lifestyle. Presenting a community hero award to the sisters of perpetual indulgence. That's the name of the group, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Before the ninth, the June sixteenth Pride Night, the leading edge order of queer and trans nuns is going to be singled out for extra special treatment. They're going to be given an award. The sisters are men who dress in a lewd imitation of Roman Catholic nuns, and their motto is go and sin some more. They're being honored in Los Angeles by the Los Angeles Dodgers and Major League Baseball. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, 800-848-9222. Today, in 2012, Donna Summer passed away. The queen of disco. Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. Coming back right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 2013, Daft Punk, fourth album, Random Access Memories, debuted at number one on United States and United Kingdom charts. That album went on to win five Five Grammy Awards. Daft Punk. Let's head to the telephones. Fred in Islip, New York. How are you, Fred? Okay. I'm th- I'm thinking about what you said about the Durham report earlier. Yes. On one mm-hmm. hand, you got, you got people on January 6th, overzealous, maybe idiots, trespassing. They end up with treason charges. They're in solitary yep. confinement for a year. On the yep. other hand... You got you got sixty uh, well not sixty you got the Democratic Party and you got the FBI who's using our tax dollars turning on us and really actually getting close to overturning an election, yep. unlike what happened with the January six people. My yep. problem is we can't let this that this of the two the FBI and Democratic Party seems more like treason to me and we can't let it go because if we let it go we're treating it the same way that the uh, media is treating it. What are we going to do about it? Just you talk about it. I'll listen. I talk about it all the time. What are we going to do about it? See, the problem is not us. 
throw up to me every single one of the FBI agents that lied to the FISA courts would be in jail right now. Hillary Clinton was involved in this. Members of the members of the intelligence community from Brennan on down were involved in this. In fact, I listened to a recording today of Brennan talking about how Obama instigated all of this with with an order, and I just don't know enough about the order. I'm doing research on it to go back and try to present this in a way that's factual. So I, that's why I didn't, didn't discuss it yet or didn't ask for the soundbite to be played. Um, and so what are we going to do about it? We see it's not us. It's Republicans in Washington. What are they doing about this? Yeah, they, they're stomping. They're, they're gnashing their teeth. They're stomping their feet. Oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. And then what? Not up to us. We are the spectators here. They are the ones in power. And they're doing absolutely nothing to make sure that there is true accountability. And now the only thing that the voters can do is wait until 2024 and get these people out of office and hopefully, hopefully clean up this corrupt Department of Justice. But for all this gnashing of teeth and whining about how wrong, of course it was wrong. Like I said, with marking oh breaking news, they tried to depose Donald Trump. Breaking news, breaking news. The FBI is guilty of malfeasance. Ooh, breaking news. We've known that for five years. And today, with all of this that's going on, there are big stories everywhere about the PSNBC uh, anchorette who made a whole career on on uh, this whole Russian dis dis information she's still sitting there babbling on about the news every day so is every one of them that the the washington post is still holding on to their pulitzer prizes new york Times, but they're reporting on this non-story they're not giving them back we got we got to take a break when we come back joe rosenberg from israel when we come back more of your calls James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here, WABC. Don't it's go away. that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. That makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your couch. And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds and the ink stains that are dried upon some. We're playing Glenn Campbell because this is the day he recorded this beautiful, iconic song, Gentle on My Mind. We're coming back. Don't go away. It keeps you. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Brothers Johnson, bring us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. Today, the birthday of George Johnson, one of America's most incredible bassists. Of course, it's a heavenly birthday. This one you know, this is Stomp.
Quincy Jones did a version of this. You know, that was the Brothers Johnson's playing on a lot of those Quincy Jones hits all these years. Quincy pretty much put the Brothers Johnson on the map. And they, I mean, they played under so many hit records. Anyway, Joel Rosenberg is on the line. He is the New York Times USA Today Publishers Weekly best-selling author. More important than that to me, he's one of my dearest and oldest friends. And Joel is uh, Joel is probably one of the most amazing authors in the world. His books have a tendency to predict events that are going to take place. This started when he did his very first book, The Last Jihad. And people noticed within a year or two uncanny events that were happening in the world that Joel predicted in novel form before then. Joel, how are you? I'm well, my friend, but I've never played bass with Quincy Jones. So, you know, some people have some gifts, other people <laughs> definitely don't. Anyway, it's good talking to you, my friend. I, I, I learned something you, today already. Cool. Uh, so the Libyan <laughs> Diversion is your latest book. And this is an international military and political thriller. Takes place, of course. Well, I mean, the title kind of gives it away. The Libyan Diversion. Tell us a little bit about well, the book, the, Joel. That, yeah, that's the thing, James. It's The, the title itself is a diversion. Uh, what's happening is my main character is Marcus Riker. Uh, this is his fifth book, but you can... If, if if your audience hasn't read any of them before, you can start with the Libyan diversion and, and then double back if you like it. I think you're going to love it. Why? Because Marcus Riker is a patriot. This is a guy who saw 9-11 on television and joined the Marines the next day. He, you know, in the previous books, he, he goes off and serves uh, in combat in Afghanistan, in Iraq, with distinction, wounded in battle. He ends up joining the U.S. Secret Service and uh, serves uh, protecting the president of the United States. Now, uh, by the time we get to the Libyan diversion, he is one of the top CIA operatives in, in the agency, and he's tasked with hunting down the world's worst, most dangerous terrorist, a guy named Abu Nakba, which in Arabic is uh, the, the father of catastrophe. Now, what's happening? What's happening in the Libyan diversion, James, is that Marcus Riker thinks he's hot on the trail of Abu Nakba in Libya, but it's, but it's a setup. He's being diverted uh, far away from the shores of the United States. Why? So Abu, Abu Nakba can send radical Islamist jihadists into the United States via the Mexican border, bringing nuclear oh, dirty oh, bombs wait, with wait, him. Stop. Okay, so, okay, now, the predictive element of Job's book has just emerged. He's, we've got a terrorist coming in through the poorest borders of the United States. Not just bringing one, in teams of them. Bringing in, bringing in dirty nukes. Right. Yeah. Now, <laughs> oh, look, I, I pray that this is not predictive. I, I am not, I, I, I say this on every interview, but I'm going to say it with you, James, because uh, you know I've known you for 25, 30 years. I think we've known each other, and it was our our dear friend Rush Limbaugh who who turned the, that first novel, 22 years ago, The Lashy Hod, into a number one bestseller. 
Uh, just right. like single-handedly, he just he. I was a staffer. I was you. I worked with you. I was the lowest person on the totem pole in the Rush Limbaugh orbit, <laughs> right? I mean, literally <laughs> a peon of a kid. And and then you know, I worked for him. Uh, worked with you guys as a, as a research director. Wrote for the Limbaugh letter. But I leave. I have a career of helping people lose their elections. Okay, 100% failure <laughs> as a political consultant. And I write my first novel called The Last Jihad. And Rush calls me one day and he goes, Rosenberg, I didn't know you could write. I'm yeah. like, well, thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. How many years did I write for you? you know, yeah. He goes, and, and as you recall, uh, he says, no, I didn't know you could write fiction. And I thought, well, all my liberal friends think I'm writing fiction because I'm writing as a ghostwriter for you, Rush. But that, the reason that that novel caught his attention, I know, it, uh, it's one of the things I love about him. But, uh, he, you know, he had nobody on his show, right? Mr. Newt, uh, President Bush, Dick Cheney, that's it. And then right. me, like one of right. these things is not like the other, James. Why did he love that first novel? Because I began writing The Last Jihad in January of 2001, and the first page puts you inside the cockpit of a jet plane hijacked by radical Islamist terrorists flying a kamikaze mission into an American city. I wasn't predicting it. I just thought that would be a crazy way to open a novel, and it leads to my fictional American president deciding not only to take out – terror cells in the Middle East, but removing Saddam Hussein from power by war. And, and of course, the novel came out after 9-11, right? Because if I was really predicting it, it would have come out before. I wasn't predicting right. I was as shocked as everybody else. You were in New York. I was in Washington. Two bad places to be if you, if you know an attack is coming, right? I right. didn't know an attack was coming. But what was interesting was when Rush read it, he's like – Cool. We are five months, six months away from actually going to war with Iraq to remove Saddam. Like, how how could you know this? And he knew I was not bright enough to know it. So he thought, huh. you must have an imagination that is crazy. And that's how I got started. And I've been writing novels like this. But I think Libyan diversion, because of the border crisis, because of 5.7 million people streaming across the borders, invading the country since Biden took office, and since we just captured an Afghan national on the FBI terror watch list last week um, uh, coming in from Mexico, and last month there were 16 captured, more than all the Trump administration years combined just in April. This tells me that we are America is in grave and growing danger. That it's, this may not be fiction, the Libyan diversion. It's a novel. It's made up, but it feels ripped from potentially, you know, from tomorrow's headlines. And that's what makes these novels. Uh, I hope they're entertaining, but they're a little eerie as well. And they have been eerie, not too eerie to the point, Joel. Let me just brag on you for a quick second here that you don't just have an American audience. Your audience is comprises of some of the most powerful people in the world, all over the world, who read your novels and who have enjoyed your novels, but have also commented on the same thing, that you have an eerie, uh, I guess, 
fate of calling things out before they happen. And that includes, by the way, some Arab leaders all over. And I mean, we're talking yeah. the, the, the leaders of countries all over the world who read your books and who read your novels and enjoy them. And so yeah, where yeah. can people, when is, <laughs> when is the book out, Joe? When is the Libyan diversion out? Oh, it, it just came out Tuesday. We're, we're, you're one of the, the, the first couple dozen interviews we're doing right in the, in the blitz here. Um, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're moving fast and furious. So it's out. The Libyan Diversion's out in hardcover, but it's also out in ebook, and it's out in, in uh, audio. You know, a lot of people don't have time, especially guys, to read the books they want. Uh, but I just tell them, look, get, that's what I do. Download it on my phone. I use Audible app. And uh, you can listen on the subway. You can listen on the bus. You can listen if you're actually driving and stuck in all that traffic I just heard you guys talking about. Uh, you know, just listen to a great novel. Well, tell, well, you decide whether it's great or not, but it'll, I think it'll be spooky as well. as. <laughs> and if you're listening on the subway, just make sure that occasionally you just look up at the surroundings around you. Okay, just don't get so engrossed that you're not. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And, and if that something is happening to you, get out of the way because, after all, on the subways, Joel, the 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 book is the Libyan diversion. You can find it right now wherever you find your books. Joel, you got to come back and spend some time with me on the Saturday. Sh- well, no, well, we have to figure this out. You're in Israel. <laughs> You have to come back and spend some time with Okay, you got to come back and spend some time with me because I want to talk about events going on in the Mideast, too. Um, For those of you that remember, Joel, on our Saturday show, when events were flaming over in Israel, Joel was on with us every week, giving us an insider's look at what was happening in the Mideast. And we so appreciate that. Uh, Joel, one of these days, we just got to spend some some serious time. Um, Joel kind of understated his role. He was Rush's man in Washington. Rush felt confident enough in Joel's ability, even as a kid. And he was a kid. I got to tell you, he was a kid. <laughs> and I looked him, even younger than I was. <laughs> yeah, to send him down to Washington as his ears and eyes and to also write uh, for him. In fact, Joel sent me a picture recently of the both of us looking very, very young in front of the White House. <laughs> Young and for me, trim. So, you know, that... that, that well, for it. me, trim, too. <laughs> <laughs> what can we do? Uh, I'm we, telling you. Friendship remains. Uh, yeah. Bless you, my friend. Absolutely. And God, God bless you, Joel. Joel Rosenberg, ladies and gentlemen, the Libyan Diversion. Joel, thanks for taking some time with us today. My honor. Thank you so much. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you. We're going to get to your calls when we get back. Do not. Do not. Do not go away. Coming right back. Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. WABC Talk Radio 77. We're going to your phones quickly. This is Whitney. Greatest. The greatest love of all, which was recorded on this date in May. Children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Yes, teach them well. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Give them a sense. 
give them a sense of pride. Okay. Here's a sense of pride. The Waldorf School in Garden City, Long Island, facing a bit of a backlash from parents. There is a book that's being used at the Waldorf School. Fifth graders are being taught, you know, teach them well and let them lead the way that that thing. They're being taught about oral and anal sex and masturbation. Fifth grade. $30,000 a year to send your kid to school so they can learn about anal and oral sex and how to masturbate. Yeah, that's teach your children well. Speaking of masturbation, Scott, who that picture that you, that video that, can you just, I'm not, the video you there's a video of um of uh, Joe Biden at a commencement speech reaching under his gown and appearing to do th- it's I don't I, again I, I you, you probably should give him the benefit of the doubt on it but it does it le- it leads to, to your imagination visualizing it appears that the president is doing something with his hands underneath his gown well, he is definitely doing that, but I, I don't think he's doing what we're referring I, okay. to. I it's hope. Over all over the, it's starting to go viral. Yeah, it... <laughs> okay, let's yeah. go to the telephones. Neil in Brooklyn, New York. How are you, Neil? Yeah, I originally called to talk about Our Lady of Perpetual Sin, that story you told. But you, yes. the author that you interviewed reminded me of how. A rush can predict bad things like the like the Democrats wanting to get rid of elections, you know, which he put bad ideas in their minds. And maybe no, he 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 read the stitches on the fastball and told us what was coming, and it has all transpired. That's what he did. But I want to go back to this thing that you said about the Dodgers and Major League Baseball folks. They are having a group that is actually openly, blatantly mocking. Nuns and mocking Catholicism. The order of perpetual indulgence, whose motto is go and sin some more. And this is who they're highlighting at a National League ball game. Now, let me just say this to you, folks. Put yourself, ask yourselves this question. If there were a group that was openly mocking Islam, openly mocking and ridiculing Islam. Do you think that Major League Baseball would put them, a baseball team would highlight them and have a special performance in their honor before a baseball game? If there were a group that were openly mocking Judaism, do you think that Major League Baseball would have that group appearing before a baseball game and promote them. If you don't think that's the case, then ask yourself, why is it okay for Major League Baseball to have a group that is openly hostile to the Catholic religion and to Catholics, mocking nuns and mocking Catholic beliefs and rituals? Why is that okay? Come up with an answer for that question, please. Let's go to Christine in Suffolk County. How are you, Christine? 
Good afternoon, Bo. Uh, pleasure to talk to you. Um, Thank you. I called for another reason, but that nun issue as a devout Catholic has me spinning, um, to be quite honest with you. And as a baseball fan, so now the Major League Baseball just lost, lost me, but I'm one person, so what do they care? But anyway, uh, but that's a mockery, and that's, that's blasphemy in the Catholic It is faith. blasphemy. It's openly blasphemy. You know, but and I was bringing up the, going to bring up the same point in regard to that they don't do it to other faiths, but the Catholic faith seems to be the kicking person of, you know, of all religions, and it's just offensive. But I really called because... I got kicked off of food stamps for $5, and yet, out here in Suffolk, they're giving migrants food stamps, health insurance, housing, all that. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of veterans that they've kicked off to, like they did up in Newburgh, and it's just disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting, and I don't know where in the world this, hopefully, this, this is what we. This is what we have to do about it. We have to remember this, and we have to be the ones that are remembering this at election time, that the Democrat Party kicked American veterans out of their places to live and made them homeless so they can accommodate people that are not citizens of the country. That the Democrats did this. That the Democrats are giving your hard-earned tax dollars not to help you, not to help Americans, but to help people from other countries. Now look, as I maintain, we must also maintain our compassion. At the same time, I have no hatred for these people coming in here. I don't, if, if we lived in some of the situations they lived in here, we'd be trying to get in America too. But we are a nation of laws and we should demand that our laws be followed. And it's that simple. Helen. I got you got less than a minute, Helen. Got to make your point, please. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to make it fast, James. I don't know whether anyone has brought up the idea that the United Federation of Teachers, with Mr. Melgrew at its head, I don't think I've heard one single word about the health and safety of the children um, with regard to the gyms that are going to be taken away from them for housing for illegal aliens. Where is the union that is supposed to stand up for the children? I don't understand. The unions have never stood up for the children. Thank you for such a brilliant point, Helen. The unions have stood up for the Democrat Party. They are the Democrat Party. Their dues go to the Democrat Party to get Democrats elected. And in turn, Democrats enrich these unions with contracts that are wealthy. It is a money exchange operation. Ha! The children are only the excuse for these financial transactions. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you. God willing, back tomorrow at 4 o'clock for Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your family and loved ones. Thank you for being here this afternoon. Love and gratitude to you always. Hasta mañana. Bye. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.